Tagovailoa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Cologne looking for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one! Deep left field! That goes Upton! Back near the wall! It's out of here! <laughs> Bartolo has done it! There's only one word that comes to mind. Greatness. What is up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. Today, um, another very special guest going back to Arizona. Um, had his dad with us a couple episodes back. I got recent Kansas University graduate Adam Bidnick. How are you doing, Adam? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on the show tonight. Of course. Ready to talk. Ready to talk some sports, man. Absolutely. All right, so to kick it off, um, you're a you're a Yankees guy, so um, obviously we expected the Yankees to be a juggernaut going into this year, but what's been the key to this fast start, and how can they maintain the success throughout the season? It's a great question. Uh, I think it's pretty simple, honestly. I think they just need to continue to hit the long ball at an efficient rate, uh, which they normally do night in, night out, uh, year in, year out. Um, I think Aaron Boone is an, a tremendous manager. He replaced Joe Girardi, who won a championship with us in 2009. Uh, he's come in, he's had two straight years of 100 straight wins. Um, and I think the Yankees' main problem has always been their pitching, their starting pitching. Uh, we just got Garrett Cole in the offseason, obviously. Um, he's an absolute stud, ace. But the back half of our, st- our staff needs to step up significantly um, with James Paxton, Jay Happ. Um, just a couple of guys that need to really just get their feet in the ground. Tanaka, because we got a couple of guys that are out as well who've been our ace in the past. Uh, Luis Severino, he's hurt. Um, Domingo German suspended. So I think if we had our full, full flight of guys, I think it would be significantly even easier for us to dominate in our division. Uh, I just think, you know, it'll, uh, towards the back half of the year in the uh, postseason, hopefully we'll get some guys back. Yeah, that's what, um, I mean, I totally agree. You got Judge. Judge has been incredible. Um, Stan, you've seen him off to a pretty hot start. A uh, couple monster shots. The lineup, I mean, it's it's incredible top to bottom. So much depth. And, I mean, thus far they've been matching even with um, down starts. Gary Sanchez has been atrocious to start the year. He's like 2 for 25. Um, not getting, uh, Gardner and Hicks haven't done much. Same with Andujar. And that just speaks to the depth and how, and just how incredible this lineup is. Um, to the pitching side, I think, I'm pretty sure, I don't, who threw today? I know in the first of the doubleheader against the Phillies, was it, let's see, it was Hap. Hap got shelled. He threw three innings, gave up four. Um, it, it's gonna it's gonna boil down to the pitching, and for most exactly. teams, most teams I think you know the pitching totally adequate. But for a team like the Yankees, um, you got Cole the bona fide ace. Um, Tanaka was good in well, he actually didn't even throw three innings, but I I'm, I think Tanaka will be probably pretty solid. Uh, ha- it's it's Hap and Paxton that have been struggling. I really like Jordan Montgomery. Um, in his one start thus far, he did really well through five and two-thirds of one-run ball. I, I was a big Montgomery fan before he went down with uh, Tommy John. feels like it's been forever, but he's terrific, I think. Herm- It'll be interesting. Herman, uh, I remember he, he tweeted some cryptic things a couple weeks ago, like saying that made it seem like he was retiring or something. I don't know what the deal was with that. But Doesn't shock me. Yeah, um, if... If somehow a guy like Herman could come back and even just be a shell of what he started last year as, it'd be incredible because with this good of a bullpen, which right now doesn't even have a Otis Chapman, I mean, you got Zach Britton, Chad Green, uh, Ottavino. Tommy Canely, Tommy Canely just had uh, That's what I today. saw. I got TJ. That's tough. Yeah. And we had Severino, too, who, who's an unbelievably quality ace. He was in the Cy Young Award for, I think it was two years ago. He was a top candidate for Cy Young. Kermon last year had the most wins in the AL ending the year. I mean, if they had a full-strength roster, full team, I mean... It's the best team in baseball. They are really unbeatable. Their offense is just as super-powered as the Dodgers, and their staff could be just as dominant, and their bullpen is the best in the MLB regardless. Yeah. So, overall, I don't see how they'd be bad if they they could keep everybody healthy or not suspended. Yeah. So, I think... It, it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to add 
another arm, whether it be... I I mean, I don't know if they could even just keep on loading up with that bullpen and get another bullpen option, but I do think they'll make some sort of move to add an arm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like a high upside back end starter, but absolutely, it's all about that hitting, man, because when Agreed. you get that lead, you don't even need to ask a lot out of your starters when, I mean, let's see, you get five innings out of your starters, you can go Green, Ottavino, Britton, and not necessarily in this order, order, but you go Green, Britton, Ottavino, Chapman, it's lights out. And you and you and you still got Canely on there. You still got Luis, whatever the hell his last name is. You got like ten people you can go to. Starters in New York, I mean, truly, if they get run support, they can go four innings, and we can yeah. Them again. So I mean, it just it all depends, especially with the short porches in both corners. I mean, and we have big big boys that can hit bombs. I mean, ju- like you said, Judge and Stanton. So, I mean, as long as you get enough run support, you, you're totally fine. Yeah. Well, and, like, and I, I said it. Um, the, there have been some guys that have gotten off to really slow starts. Uh, like I said, Gary's been atrocious. Gl- Glaber's been a little slow. Um, when this off, I mean, it's just incredible. You saw it last year. They It was like, it felt like it was almost a triple-A team with some of the guys and they were just it, they got it done cuz you look when you look at the yep. stats last year here let me pull it up um guys like Mike Talkman, Giovanni Urshela, um they just get it done this depth is so wild you know you know you have an absolutely loaded offense when Mike Ford yep. you Mike Ford you, when you can't find spot for a guy Mike like Ford. Clint Frazier it's it's yeah, incredible. Yeah, AAA guys are just are even incredible as well. We, like and Duhar was our was our supposed to be up and rising prospect, you know, um, for the next however many years with uh, Glaber on that side of the field. But I mean, Gio Arcello batted over three hundred last year and drove in a boatload of runs and even hitting in the the seven slot, I believe, or six seven slot. Yeah. So I mean. Urshela having a big year gave him the starting position this year, which moves Andohar to a backup, and he's supposed to be the next great third baseman. So yeah, that's I what mean, they've been trying him out and left. I haven't, I haven't watched, yeah. I haven't paid enough close attention. Oh, Tatis two run home run, yes sir. Sorry, um, <laughs> but no, I I need to pay more attention to him fielding wise. I mean, pretty atrocious at third to begin with. Probably pretty fun to watch him and left. But yeah. no, you're totally right. And they're getting to the point where. I mean, it's just so many bats that you're going to be able to, if you see a, a young, controllable starting pitcher you like, you can sacrifice a guy like Andujar. Um, exactly. A guy, the all guys in all that realm because they're so deep. And when you look at that lineup, let's say, we'll we'll assume, uh, Gard- we'll say Gardner's in left, Hicks in center, it'll be Urshela starting at third. I mean, where do, where do you stop that lineup? There is one through yeah, nine. Yeah. There, I mean, that and that's exactly what we were talking about about Urshela. Is last year people probably went up and were like, okay, well, a little bit of a soft spot, and he just got it done. There's exactly the Lemayhu uh, on base machine, and the one thing about this entire lineup, and we saw it last year, is every, there's every single player is capable of launching a ball out. And that's, I mean, that comes with Yankee Stadium, but it was incredible. I mean, I don't remember the exact number, but I know they set some sort of record with uh, most guys with, like, 10-plus home runs, I think it was. I'm sure it was, yeah. I mean, every year they just, they restack of guys I can just hit. I mean, you look back when uh, you were super young and I was even a kid. I mean, the A-Rod teams with Jeter and Giambi. Yeah, most of those guys were juicing, but, I mean, still, we had guys on that team that could hit Cano, Matsui, Posada. I mean, dudes were hitting 15, 20, 30 back then. Yeah. Now you have the new kind of baseball in today's age, you know, where pitching's more dominant than it used to be in the, in the past. And still, you know, Judge had 52 in his first year. Yeah. I, mean, I know given he is 6'7", he's 260 pounds of just pure muscle. But, I mean, still, the fact is that, you know, guys at Yankee Stadium, they can hit bombs all day. It's a short porch. It's like a little league field for them. But when you're going to different places, you're going to these big fields in the American League, Detroit and Oakland, that have just massive walls, and they're still just pumping out of there, there's really nothing you can do as an opponent. No, you can't. And that's secure. I just looked it up. I believe it's 13 different Yankees had 10-plus home runs. Yeah, that's insane. It's, it's incredible. I mean, speaking of Judge... Judge has just been phenomenal. We've always known that when he's healthy, he's one of the better players in baseball. This whole stretch with the home runs, it's been so fun to watch. 
he, he's it's just weird. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird to think about, but with a 60 game season right now, he's the leading candidate for MVP because he's already played like 10 games. He has six bombs. So yeah. it's like right now it's like, you know, we're already a quarter of the way done with the year quotes, but it's like, yeah, he's already, you know, established himself as not a premier player and all-star. And so we'll see how he continues. Yeah. It'll be fun to see. And I mean, I don't know. I guess the general, uh, don't want to see the Yankees succeeding as, as someone who I, I'm a Yankees <laughs> fan. Um, it, it, it has been very enjoyable to see Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton healthy because whether you like the Yankees or not, they're two of the most, I mean, biggest power hitters in all of baseball and so fun to watch. Agreed. Agreed. So looking to the flip side, the anti-Yankees, the Red Sox. Um, so they've they've clearly had their significant struggles thus far. And when you really look at it, um, you could really, fo- at least it, to my to my understanding, you could really forecast um, this downfall coming. So, w- what what's handicapping this Red Sox team to you? Um, truly, I mean, being a Yankee fan, like you said, I can never cheer for the Red Sox. I hope they lose every game they play. But I mean, I think for them, it starts at their top with their with their executives and their coaching. I mean, Alex Cora got fired before the year started with the Astros scandal and everything, and I think that just kind of put a damper on their year to begin with. Um, I mean, he led them to a World Series in his first, second year there. Um, but I think it starts with management. C.O. Epstein made that team unbelievable, and then he goes to Chicago, and they win a World Series for the first time in over 100 years. So I think for them, it really does start at the top and the leadership of their program. Um, but I do think that they have some quality players. I think Xander Bogarts is a really good shortstop. I think Michael Chavez has come on great. Uh, Christian Vasquez has come on well. Um, but, I mean, losing that veteran leadership and Poppy and Pedroia and the guys that have been there for years, I mean, I think they're just such a young team with JBJ, and they, they lost Mookie Betts, their all-star. So, I mean, they've had some moving parts and some and some key losses, whether it's veterans or all-stars, that I feel like they're kind of in a rebuild at the very moment. Um, they're still a quality team, but I think right now, obviously, it's the Yankees division followed by the Rays. Um, the Orioles are just kind of a waste. They're always kind of one of the worst teams in baseball, and the Blue Jays are just there. So I think I think the Red Sox have some quality guys. I just think they need to get it all figured out and put together on the field correctly. And I think they can absolutely win some games. I mean, they, I think it'll be a couple of years maybe before they win the division again or make a deep run in the playoffs. But they have some good parts. They just I think it does. Their key is to start at the top for sure. Yeah, well, and looking at that, I mean, it's kind of the David Dombrowski effect. You saw it in Detroit. They had those couple years where, I mean, it's kind of wild that they didn't win a World Series in Detroit under Dombrowski. But they they just were. They now they're just thrown in this pit of mediocrity. And when you look at it, um, here let me let me pull this up. I don't want to say anything incorrect. But what to me really has handicapped them is they were just throwing around too much money prematurely. And when I say that. You look at, first off, something I totally forgot about was the Rusnake Steel deal, where they signed him seven years, $72 million out of uh, Cuba. They sent him up immediately, and I was, I was, I, I totally forgot he existed, and I was reading about it earlier, how essentially they took, they outrighted him when they sent him down, and then the CBA was renegotiated, so that any guy added to the 40-man roster at any point, even taken off, will account for cab space and could contribute to the luxury tax so essentially um with how much money he's making it's like 14 million dollars a year at this they point give smaller contracts yeah and they if they physically it, it doesn't make sense for them to add to the 40-man roster so he's handicapped in triple a paying a guy 14 million dollars to stay in Pawtucket uh still have con uh Pedroia under contract for two more years JD Martinez I didn't I, I think he has an opt-out after this year but you're paying him 23 this year and 19 the following two years. The Bogart steal, I will say, um, I think it can definitely be a steal. It was six years, uh, $120 million uh, with vesting option for 2026. So that I'm a fan of. But to me, what really is, is going to cripple this team for the most part is the Chris Sale deal. Because they signed it last spring. And he, he's always... He's always had some form of, of like just health issues. Yeah, so arm issue. Absolutely. I, I think I think it was cle- he. You could tell he's not the guy, the kind of guy that's going to be able to pitch well into his thirties. 
And then they gave them the five-year, $145 million deal. So they're paying $30 million from the next three years, then 27 and a half two years after that with an option. So it, it, it was inevitable. They, they put themselves in a clear situation where they weren't going to be able to retain their best player, Mookie Betts. So it's just it was careless throwing around of the money. I mean, look, I understand Chris Sale, um, at, at his peak, one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. Because you look at his numbers, um, like twenty eighteen, he um he only he won them that World Series. That's that's what helped him. No, really, he got them over the edge. His two years in Boston prior to last year, he had a two nine ERA in twenty seventeen. Twenty eighteen, he had a two eleven. Um, he threw two, and he threw a career high or tied for a career wait no it wasn't a career it was it was league leading 215 innings in 2017 um then 2018 he only threw 158 but he had a 211 era um incredible and then we saw some of the regression in 2019 and you've seen he's always had some form of arm issues so as much as you like the guy I don't know how you can justify paying him that much money when he's bound to regress very, very soon. Yeah, exactly. And, and then here, let me let me pull up the entire roster. I was, um, Nathan Evaldi, absolutely horrific contract. Four years, sixty-eight million dollars. They're paying him seventeen million dollars over the next three years. He was he was garbage last year. Um, they added him. Uh, I I mean I liked the idea, but that's just way too much money. For an inconsistent guy like that, yeah, they just overextended everybody from 2018, pretty much when they won the World Series. Because Avaldi's a former Yankee from way, way back, and he was decent for us, but he wasn't great. He was kind of mid relief guy. But I mean, once once you get one good year and you sign with a team, you get a fat extension on any contract, no matter what team you're playing for. If you have a, if you have an All Star caliber year, and I mean Chris Sale, I mean he's always had arm issues. I think maybe his mechanics, the way he comes out from the side, maybe in that little hitch in his arm. Yeah, I mean it's effective. He gets 14 strikeouts a game. Don't get me wrong, but that comes with you know the arm injuries and the problems. So I mean I think if, if most major league teams realize that you got to get guys that you're going to invest in that are going to be quality guys for years to come then it's right move to give them extensions but to throw fat money at somebody because they have one good year and expect it to happen consistently in my eyes isn't even a thing because that's where i kind of look at it with garrett cole as well in the yankees i mean yes he's been consistently getting better in his career but last year he was probably the best pitcher in the pros and the yankees just gave him an unbelievably big contract so that means you know if this year he doesn't perform to last year like he was in the astros well so that means he's not garrett cole not necessarily but you gotta live with what you give yeah, well, I think there are time, uh, there are times and places for it. Um, just given the state of the market, um, it's kind. Of, you're these guys are gonna get massive deals, and ultimately in the last in the last couple years, it's gonna, you know, it's probably gonna bite you. But I just don't get it with a guy like Chris Sale, and especially because you knew that Mookie Betts was gonna be in line for a massive massive extension. And if there's any guy that you want to keep. In there, it's Mookie Betts. Exactly. Because that's a guy, I mean, you can't, you know, considering the length, you don't know how effective he's going to be through the entirety of it. But he's, to me, I think he's the second best player in baseball behind Mike Trout. Um, Which, that that can be debated, but regardless, um, Mm -hmm. absolutely phenomenal player. And you could see it from a mile away that there was just no chance they were going to be able to retain him. And, I mean, you look at the numbers, there's there's a decent gap between... Two to three, but the Red Sox are number three in payroll right now, and they're not fielding a roster that looks like it. Um, and then I, look, I hear you there, brother. Looking at their uh, numbers, uh, like looking at their actual statistics for this year, the lineup's not bad. Christian Vasquez is improving uh, immensely. He's always been good defensively. Uh, he's learned learning to swing in a little bit. Uh, Bogart's absolute stud, one of the most underrated players in baseball. Uh, Devers is off to a slow start, but he's he's great. He's a, he's a double machine. Benintendi, yep. uh, I mentioned it last episode, off to a horrific start. But again, good player. JBJ is playing well right now. I'm not a I'm not a JBJ fan. Uh, and then you got Verdugo. Uh, Verdugo is gonna be good. He's a he's a guy that can be a consistent middle of the order uh, batter for the next you know. Years to come, and JD Martinez, he he's always gonna mash. But and so that's a good lineup. That's a solid lineup. 
Um, you got some depth there. Pilar, Kevin Pilar is weirdly doing really good to start the year. Again, sample size, but it's the pitching. Exactly. It, it's awful. So you got Sale done for the year, and even with Sale, it, this rotation is awful. You got, you got Evaldi, who he's done he's done fine so far. He's he's thrown uh, 16 innings, given up seven, which is an ERA just under four. They gave money to Martin Perez this offseason. He he's been awful. He had one like decent season. Um. Uh, he has a five-year array. They threw Ryan Weber two starts, uh, seven innings, giving up nine runs. Uh, who else have they started? Austin Bryce, five and two-thirds of four runs. Yeah, um, some of these guys are even no-names. It's awful. They're, 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 just, they're, they're claiming these guys off waivers. Um, that's why I think they literally just claimed Zach Godley. He's thrown seven and a third, giving up five. It's it's bad. And honestly, uh, and that all that all starts honestly with management and that's what i was saying at the beginning you know it starts with their executives starts with their coaching you know you can't build a good team if you don't have good guys in the office that are going to get the quality players and the coaches are going to put them in the right position to succeed and that's where i was saying alex cora the firing is brutal for them theo epstein leaving they haven't been the same team since so we'll see how it kind of how it transpires in the future, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, their their bullpen, I mean, isn't even as bad as advertised as our uh, Padres' top prospect who we just caught up, Luis Patino, gave up a three-run home run to Jock Peterson. Terrific. Um, their, their bullpen's not even actually that bad. Brandon Workman's good. Um, who else is it? Marcus Walden, not not bad either. Um, but the, it's that you just can't win games with that rotation, and it's not even their their uh, prospect pool is awful. I mean, their uh, consensus bottom ten farm system. Their top prospects are all, um, you know, hitters. Jeter Downs, who they got in the Betts trade, he's a middle infielder. Um, Tristan Casas, yeah, Tristan Casas, who he's he's a first baseman, low in the organization right now. Bobby Dalbeck, their top guy is Brian Mata. And I mean, he's nothing but a guarantee, and uh, he, he we'll probably see him at some point this year. But past that, there's just there's nothing. And then they drafted this year. They they took Nick York in the first round, who no one expected to go first round, let alone maybe even second round. Just just in a tough spot, and I don't blame it on uh, Heim Bloom, who just took over the job. He he, he kind of had to trade Mookie. He didn't have much of a choice. You got it, you because he he was gonna leave. But it's quite a mess Dombrowski left, um, and it'll be interesting to see how they're going to make it out. Because ultimately, the Red Sox, they'll, they'll return to form sooner sooner than later. It's the Red Sox. But definitely definitely screw, screwed themselves a little bit right now. Um, moving on from baseball, I mean, do you have anything to add before we move on? No, I think, I think we covered it pretty well. Um, so moving on from baseball, I saw, um, on Instagram, this, this hypothetical, um, career path. So as an athlete, there are four different options for how you could choose your career to go. First option, option A being, uh, 15 time all-star, two time MVP, um, zero championships. Um, but you're a hall of famer and you make $500 million in your career. Option B would be Two All-Stars, one MVP, one championship, and $55 million in career earnings. Option C would be no All-Stars or MVPs, but three championships and $100 million career earning. And option D would be 10-time All-Star, zero-time MVP, one-time champion, Hall of Famer, and $200 million career earnings. So, Adam, I'll throw it to you. If you had to... Pick one of these four options. Uh, what would you go with and why? So I think out of those four, the career choice I'd select would be option D. Um, I know most people say money isn't the factor as as in terms of the player. Um, but nowadays, money is a huge factor for most people. You'll see guys in every sport. They'll, sometimes they'll go play for teams that are just completely awful or teams they don't really want to be in, the certain city, whatever the case may be, but it's because of the money. Um, so with that being said, obviously you're making the most money with option D. Um, the other thing that I like about it is strictly accomplishments. So to this, in this case, everybody considers, you know, the best player to ever to be who's the most dominant. Um, you know, Bill Russell has the most NBA rings of all time, but that doesn't necessarily make him the best of all time. Um, so in this case, I'd still, I still have a title, which would be nice because I can be crowned a champion. 
um, but also be a 10-time All-Star, which means you're an effective player in the NBA. Um, being an MVP, um, it means something, but to me it doesn't mean that much because it does mean that you're the most, you're the best player in the league, the most valuable player. But there's that debate whether it's the most valuable player in the league. Or, or just like player of the year kind of thing, yeah. To your team. So to me, you know, I think people sometimes get snubbed on the MVP. Technically, LeBron could win every single year, year in, year out. Um, you know, Kobe averaged over 35 the year Steve Nash won it for the Suns. So I think to me, MVPs aren't as meaningful because it's an individual award. Um, I think All-Stars um, is also an individual award, don't get me wrong, but it's more of a you excelled on your team. Um, and if you're a 10-time All-Star, that means you've proven yourself over a career. You've gotten to the All-Star game. You're a top you know, 15, 20 player in the NBA consistently, which gives you that Hall of Fame stature. And having that ring is very important. And I mean, so to me, having the most money, being the, the best player on your team for pretty much a decade straight and still having a title is, is as best as you can pretty much do. Yeah, I think um, for me, I'd also go option D, um, mainly because, yes, um, option A would be the most money with the $500 million. That that's hard. That, that definitely is hard to pass up on. But in the grand scheme of things, I, uh, I'll i take my $200 million and run with it. That's playing for me. And like you said, um, I'd rather I'd rather I'll trade two MVPs for a championship because if you're a ten time All Star, you you've proven yourself that you're a terrific player. Which I mean, option D honestly kind of sounds like Drew Brees' career, which or, mm-hmm. um, and I'll, 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 for sake of playing devil's advocate, I think option A is totally is totally viable. Couldn't blame you for taking it. Uh, five hundred million dollars. Uh, you got the fifteen All Stars and two MVPs, which shows just how terrific you are and it also it depends on how much you value a championship for me i i value a championship very much not necessarily um considering like a i wouldn't i don't value it that much in evaluating players but in a general scheme if i'm a player i want to win titles um absolutely that's where i yeah keep going keep going uh 10 like 10 all-stars versus 15 all-stars you're both gonna that's that and add the two MVPs to the 15 All-Stars, that's that's great. And you can say, okay, well, maybe option A is the better player. They got, you know, they're making more money. But ultimately, I want that championship, still making the Hall of Fame and getting bank with $200 million. I'm going D. Yep, and, I, and the, a couple things to add to that would be is just the money in this case, honestly, isn't isn't really a question because no matter what, you're going to be rich. I mean, if it's $200 million, $500 million, you're going to invest it. You're going to put it away. Whatever the case may be, endorsement deals, you're going to have enough money to where the money to me isn't really a factor in this case. Um, but also, the thing is with, with the MVP, which kind of you know gives me a little bit of edge, is you can be an MVP, but if you're the best player in the league and you aren't winning titles, what is that doing for you? Yeah, I'm exactly. You're the best player in your league. But, I mean, overall, like, you look at James Harden, like, yeah, you're the most dominant scorer in the NBA and have been for the last five years, but you haven't done anything in the playoffs. You can't get past Golden State. You can't get past whoever. So it's like, to me, you can be the best player in the league for sure as much as you want. Mike Trout, same thing. But if it's a team game, like we're talking NBA, it's not just one guy. And, yeah, Jordan's the best of all time, and he had Pippen, and he had these guys. Kobe had Shaq. Kobe had Pau Gasol. So, I mean, winning a lot of titles, you do have to have a good team. Don't get me wrong. But if you're an MVP, you can be you can be on you know the Bobcats, you can be on the freaking Hornets, you can be on the the worst of the worst teams, the Wizards. But I mean, if you're some Zion Williamson or someone Braun that comes out of high school or college, and you're thrown to the worst team, obviously with lottery, yeah, you could be the MVP every year and year out. But that doesn't do anything to anybody because you don't got the rings to back it up. You're not a champion. So I value that championship more. Which I know there's another option with more championships on it, but. You know, that's less All-Stars, which means you didn't have as good of years, but, you know, your team carried you. So I think this is the most efficient option there was. Yeah, I think it's the balance. That's what, to me, B and C, B and C aren't really viable. B, it's two-time All-Star, one-time MVP, one-time champ, $55 million. That sounds like you are, sounds like you were in line for a big deal and, like, tore your ACL or something like that, career ending. So, I mean, that, I mean, that's a terrific stretch, but it doesn't compare to A or D. And then C, zero-time All-Star, zero-time MVP, three championships, $100 million. First off, first off, I'm not really sure how you're making $100 million from no All-Stars or MVPs. And like you said, I mean, I, I value championships, but it's not from, from at least 
It comes at a price. Yeah, it comes at a price. And assuming option C not being an all-star or MVP, I think most you probably are are uh, is coming off the bench as kind of a back-end role player. Because, I mean, you saw it like, uh, who was it, Matt Barnes, who won, he won a title with Golden State, I think. And he was like, yep. it, it doesn't really mean anything. Because winning a title is nice, but you, you want to be able to contribute to it. Exactly. Exactly. So I mean, I'll, look, I I I'll take my ring, but if you're given these four options, I think A and D are the clear um, top options, and you and I both agree um, in going with D. Uh, that being said, I mean, I'll take I'll take any of this. I'll take uh, I'll take the fifty five million dollars. Give me any of it. I'll I'll run with it. I'll take being a professional in any sport, and I'll run with it. And that, yeah, totally. Um, then going to. Uh, you, uh, as I mentioned, Kansas graduate. First off, congratulations. Thank um, you, thank you. Uh, wish I was able to visit you then. Uh, definitely want to want to visit KU at some point. Want to go to Allen Fieldhouse for a basketball game. Uh, but here we're not, we're not going to be talking about uh, Allen Fieldhouse necessarily. We talk, talk some basketball with your dad. But I'm going to let you uh, give me some insight into Kansas football because, truth be told, other than Puka Williams, I, I really don't know if I can name another player. Um, so, uh, tell me, well, what should we expect in 2020 with uh, the football Jayhawks? Well, first things first, Rock Chalk. Anybody listening, and I'm going to shout out uh, the Red Shirt Podcast on my social media and get people listening. Rock Chalk, best university in the world. Um, Got to visit Allen Fieldhouse, like you said, but just an unbelievable campus. Shout out to the barn, my boys. Um, but Kansas football, um, it is on the rise. Um, I know a lot of people say it's, it's horrible, and they are horrible. I mean, I went to the games, and I would sit there miserably sober, drunk, whatever the case may be. They're horrible. Um, but, you know, in the last couple of years, we have we have shaped something up. Um, you know, our, uh, our coach is now Les Miles. You know, everyone knows him from LSU, and that's great. Um, but Les Miles just got there and truly boosted the confidence within the program. Um, you saw the players, they are just more into it than they were the last couple of years with David Beatty, where we were just getting pummeled. Um, but we just got a brand new training facility on campus, uh, state of the art. So the program was great. Very excited about that. Um, and yeah, like you said, we have third team All-American Puka Williams, who's just a monster for us. He does everything, um, but he's coming back for another year. But I think the key in my eyes to Kansas football is, is two things. One is the quarterback, uh, obviously, is, is a huge thing. And the other is, a, is the game style. Um, first, I'll touch with the quarterback. is We had Carter Stanley, who's, who's mediocre. He's a decent quarterback for college. Um, he just left. And so we're going to have a quarterback battle between Miles Kendrick and Thomas McVetty coming up. Um, both are quality, but it just kind of depends on the style that you're looking for in your quarterback. Um, as where Miles Kendrick is more of a run first quarterback, Lamar Jackson can still sling it by all means, but looks to, you know, has more mobility. As to where McVetty is more of a danger in the pocket, stands up and just absolutely beats you with his arm. Um, so it, depending on who our quarterback is, really truly will show. Um, you see you see all the other teams in the Big 12, and mainly it's Oklahoma. You know, every year they have a Heisman quarterback and Jalen Hurts, Kyla Murray, Baker Mayfield, on and on and on. Um, Baylor's a good program. Texas Tech produced Mahomes. I mean, we got some good competition. But the other thing I always see is the game style with Kansas, and it really, really irritates me when I'm watching it. And I know, I know there's only so much you can really do on a football field and in a game, but Running the dump-off passes and the screens and the one-yard slants to me and the, the handoffs up the middle, it's too predictable. It's too basic to me. Um, I think it's just not getting the job done against some of the dominant teams, like I said, in Oklahoma and Baylor. So I think implementing things like reverses, double moves, late draws, just different creative stuff that I know Les Miles has in his repertoire would just increase increase our positive motion. You know, uh, it, it would put some – it would throw off the defense, you know – so, I mean, Les Miles is a really creative guy. And, I mean, I know he had all the top-tier guys at LSU, so it was kind of more easy for him. He just had talent all over. Um, but, you know, when he has a down program, it's hard to rebuild. It really is and get the recruits that you need and this and that. But if you have guys that are just willing to play and put in the work and you can come up with a good scheme, I don't see why you can't beat people. I mean, last year we beat, we beat TCU. They're, they're a Power 5 conference team. But, you know, you look back three years ago, we were winless for the, the – 
10 years straight, we get smacked by everybody. People would say, there's no team in the Power Five that's worse than Kansas in football, and I wouldn't disagree with anyone. But as as far as just it, you just got to motivate the troops, and I think Kansas truly is on the rise. Um, I don't think we're going to finish in last this year. Um, and, I mean, we were two games away from a bowl game, and we played some jokes at the beginning of the year, whether it's Ohio, it's Louisiana Tech, it's, you know, nobody's. We should be 3-0 and after three weeks, and then maybe if you can win two or three conference games, you find yourself in a crappy bowl, but, hey, you made a bowl, and you're, you're up and coming. So, in my eyes, Kansas football's on the rise. Like you said, Puka Williams is dominant and could be dominant on any team. And I think, you know, the quarterback and the game style changes, I think Kansas can be in a real, real good spot and then start bringing in good recruits and really make something of their program because you know the powerhouses, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, they're never going to be back, ever. So it's going to be hard to take guys from there. But, you know, if you can get those three-star guys, even a couple twos, a couple fours, and put together put together something decent, you can make a run, run at a decent, maybe a conference title. You're never going to make a bowl game for Can- uh, 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 the national championship for Kansas, but hey, 2008 we were in the Orange Bowl and won. So <laughs> there's there's always hope for it. It's just you know how efficient you really are. Yeah. Um. Looking at, I mean, I, I, I don't. This isn't a perfect comparison, but the less miles to Kansas move is somewhat similar, and it's not a perfect comparison, like I said, but kind of like Mac Brown going to North Carolina in the sense mm-hmm. of a proven big-name guy going to a lesser school. Granted, North Carolina, uh, he didn't have to resurrect quite as much as Miles um, is going to have to do at Kansas, but that name alone is going to bring in some more guys. Absolutely. And that, and that's the thing about Kansas. You you throw less Miles in here, and you can change around that attitude, but it, there's only so much you can do with that limited talent. So once he's able to start bringing in some of his guys and – you can definitely make some something of it. And in the Big 12, talking to the play style, I mean, the, the Big 12 is where you can get the most creative. I mean, you're not going up against great defenses. It's not a dink and dunk kind of league. It's a it's a, it's run and shoot. You're, you know, you're Absolutely. airing the ball out. It's deep. And Puka Williams, let me tell you, incredible. I think he was, he you know, the freshman sensation, I think a lot of it was, well, like, yeah, he's on Kansas and he's not awful. And, um... Then he, you know, second year, um, kind kind of flew more under the radar. I guess he didn't. He he missed the game, didn't he? Have some off the field issues, right? Yeah, he had a suspension that he was dealing with, and we had Khalil Herbert in the meantime, who was a, who was a grad transfer who filled in quite nicely, actually. I mean, Kansas's running game hasn't been awful by any means, truly. It's more of just getting the ball out. You know, our quarterback, our offensive line, and like you said, defense really isn't a thing in the Big Twelve. As as sad as that seems, because I mean, there is defense, but. Oklahoma puts up 70 a game. They don't need to, you know, shut you down defensively. Same with Baylor and Tech. I mean, games in the Big 12 run 55 to 51. I mean, they're big boy games. It's not Alabama, LSU. It's, uh, you know, 13 to 7. Yeah, no, it's not like in, like in Iowa, Iowa versus Michigan State in the rain kind of game. It's Agreed. It's it, it's who, it's like the... Who's going to score more. Who, yeah, exactly. And it's like whoever scores last kind of thing. Um, So Puka, I think... Um, he just kind of faded from the spotlight, which, I mean, again, is fair at a program like Kansas. But he was terrific. He's one of the better running backs in the country. And as a freshman, people were, again, just kind of surprised, like, oh, he's decent on Kansas. And was like, he has a yeah. he, he has a cool name. But he's an absolute stud. He alone can lead a team like Kansas to a couple upset victories. And you, you work on that play style – Les Mile gets his guys in. You're not. You're not gonna necessarily be competing for with Oklahoma for the championships, New Year's Six kind of thing. But in a conference like the Big Twelve, it, it's not necessarily that hard to get to six wins because just with the lack of defense, anything can happen. Um, you see a similar thing, and you know. In different respects, in the Pac-12, where anyone can kind of beat anyone, it's like a can. It's the cannibalism kind of. Um, mode like you, you got you got Oklahoma on the top. That's gonna most you know can happen pretty consistently. But past them and like occasionally Texas, it's just a cluster around you know anywhere from like five and seven, six and six, seven and five. So you get like you were saying, you get you get those non conference wins that you, you should be getting at this point. Um, 
get some win and you get all, you only really need three wins to get to a bowl game um in a regular year uh in the big 12 so kansas i definitely it'll be fun to watch them develop um i hope i mean i i hope they get better it'll be it'll be fun to watch i like seeing i like seeing teams go back uh back up to relevancy and that's what for me i mean as i i mean i'm only 14 so i haven't been really around long enough to see a whole program resurrection. Give me, yeah. give, give me some Kansas football to watch, man. I'd love to. That's the thing is, is going to school there and being a fan and even alumni, just being a fan, you want to have a quality team. And most colleges in the country, I mean, are fortunate enough, if it's a power five, have one dominant sport. Kansas is clearly it's their basketball program. Alabama, it's clearly their football team. So most schools don't have two quality teams of basketball and football. You know, you have your rare Michigan States, your Oklahoma, your I mean, your Ohio States, your Oklahomas. You have a couple of schools, Texas, that are, you know, quality in both sports, but you don't have like a powerhouse in both normally. Um, Ohio State was actually shockingly this year a powerhouse in both. They were yeah. the number three team in basketball at one point and the number two team, I believe, in football. But, I mean... I just want a team I can root for and, you know, be at a game till the fourth quarter. Because sad enough yeah. to say, going to school there, most of the students are out by halftime because they're like, I'm bored of this. We're getting hammered at, by 30 at half. I'd rather go drink. I'd rather go do whatever I want to do for the rest of my Saturday than sit there and watch us get pummeled in the second half. So having just a competitive team would even just drive it, I feel like. like and, I mean, you said it. I want to see the resurrection. But it starts with having competitive football games. If you're in the game late in the fourth quarter and you still lose – so be it. You lost. You lost to a better team. You made a mistake, whatever the case is. But if you're just getting trampled by 30, game in and game out, you, you lose all hope. But if you're losing by a field goal with three seconds to go, you lose by a touchdown and you didn't get the two-minute the drill down, whatever it is, it's, at least you're competing. And that yeah. gives some, some motivation and some spark to your guys to hopefully draw some wins in the future. So that's what I'm looking for, really. And, I mean, you hit it right on the head at a school like Kansas with such incredible basketball. Um, even just, you know, staying competitive, competing for bowls, that'll, you know, basically satisfy the fan base because it, it just, it makes it watchable. That's what, like for Alley at Alabama, um, basketball program wasn't like awful, but not necessarily hasn't been great. You just, you just want some competitiveness. Um, and And it starts, it starts with the drive of the guys. It really does. It just, you know, have a smaller goal. Truly, for the guys. You know, if that means, hey, for this year upcoming, we want to get to a bowl game. And then the next year, okay, guys, we got to a bowl game. Let's try and improve our record. You know, whatever it is. If we didn't get to a bowl game, let's keep that our goal. I I know their goal every year is to win a national championship. That's that's not realistic, you know, to win a national championship at Kansas in football. So have a smaller goal. And if you achieve it, then you know your program's in the right direction. If you fall, you, you know you got some stuff to work on. You know, pretty basic. Yeah, no, that you're right. Uh, rarely do you see a team go, really go zero to one hundred. You gotta, you yeah, gotta no, set, you got, you gotta set those building blocks up. Um, here, I, I actually want to look at this. So the three it was the three wins were Indiana State, Bo- at Boston College, forty eight to twenty four. That was a good game. I I do remember that. And Texas Tech. And other than that, um, played played Iowa State decently. Um, yeah, so I mean, like I said, those bottom tier teams—the Kansas States, the Iowa States, the K- the TCU's, the Texas stuck with West Virginia too. Yeah, I mean, some programs just aren't. Oh my God! And West Virginia had Will Greer. I mean, he's a, he was and he was a top draft pick. So it's like some teams we can, if you just truly put your mind to it, we can compete. But I mean, you look at the, the schedule in those first few games, Indiana State. You've got to beat them every single year you play them. They just don't have quality, you know? Yeah. Boston College was a great win for us, but the first team of the year, I think, was uh, Nichols State, or it might have been the year before. They're not even they're not even FBS, and we lost. So, I mean, I look at them like, you cannot lose that game. You have to find a way to lose that game if you're a Power 5 team. Yeah, that's so what... That's just, those first few games have to be mandatory wins. You've got to start the season 3-0. and I mean, you see Alabama, they, they crank somebody 72-0 in the first game because it's Chattanooga State, and they just throw their third strings in the second half, which they should do. But Kansas should have their first string guys in the whole game and play a competitive game, but really lay the wood, win a twenty a twenty seven uh, to seven game, and just significant, like you know, uh, not significant five, but you know, put put the mark down that says I'm a good team. You know? Yeah. 
No, definitely. That that's where you got to start. I mean, you have no business losing games like that. Um, like they they lost a five and seven Coastal Carolina team from the Sun Belt this year, twelve like, seven. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Those are those are the ones you got to capture, no doubt. Exactly. But I mean, I I think they'll get there. Um, like we said, I mean, not not to national heights, but competing for bowl games, I think. Um, that, that's what you can hope for. And I, I think it's very feasible with less miles. Agreed. So, remains to be seen. Um, hopefully we're able to get whatever form of college football we can this year. But, I mean. Absolutely. We're hoping. Cross fingers crossed. All you, all you can do is hope. That's what yesterday, uh, Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons opted out. So, that was him and I think, I I think Bateman opted out too. Those are. Two big blows, but I also think I don't know. I'm I don't know if it was official schedule, but I saw somewhere that the Big Ten put out their schedule, and Michigan Ohio State is like in like October. Yeah, it's like the second week of the game. There was a guy in Ohio State that was like, "It doesn't matter when we're playing. I'm, my mindset is to beat them down." I know. I mean, that's one of the best rivalries in sports. It's like I've only heard good things about playing at either place, and the atmosphere at both schools of that game is just unheard of. But, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's week one or it's, it's week five or it's week 12. It don't matter what week it is for those boys, especially in college. You're not getting paid. You're going out every week to prove how dominant you are to get into the next level and to just show out and win for your team. So those guys, you know, they've been training all summer. They've been working out all summer. So they're going to come in and just be hungrier than ever, especially with a short schedule, to just flat out try and beat you down. Yeah. And so, we'll see how that transpires. No question. That's what, like. Um, it, it it was kind of a shock to me at first, but I love that Arizona State's playing U of A week one. I mean, yep. we're going to have all our guys healthy. Um, we're already co- That's a great way to come into the season with fire. Maybe, yeah, you don't have the anticipation of it going um, down to the wire around Thanksgiving. But uh, you get your team fully healthy um, and can really start off the year with a bang. Because that, that's an issue sometimes. Like, when you're... Most times you're able to get your guys going. It's a it's a college football season. Guys are ready to go. But when you're playing that Northwestern Missouri State Week One, you know you'll kind of, you can kind of be a little sluggish. But when you're going right into that rivalry action, um, I I really like it. And I think it'll be fun be to see um, those schedule quirks um, develop uh, this year. Uh, you know, coronavirus. Uh, uh, complying, but um, is there anything else you want to add? Uh, talk about before we get to our two minute drill. I think that's it, my man. All right. So for those who haven't listened, um, first off, go back listen to all the other episodes. Promise they won't disappoint. Just um, yesterday, or I'm not sure when this will be up, but uh, dropped a trio of episodes. Um, make sure to tune into all of those. Promise, promise they won't disappoint. Um, but two minute drill. Just going to be some rapid-fire questions to my guests. I'm going to try to gotta get your answers in under two minutes. Um, yes. It's really all there is to it. Um, let me get my timer up. Had I, I thought it was, from the start, I thought it was going to be pretty easy. Then I had a couple people felt it. you got to find a good balance of giving your analysis and getting your answers in. But Yeah, I might go, I might go a little fast because I do have a little bit of description and stuff. But also, I want to clear it before... Before we start, for I think it's the fifth-ish question. I think you had a question about uh, who wins the Pac-12. Yeah, uh, Pac-12 South. Is that, is that football or basketball? Oh, uh, football. Okay, all right, because yeah. I had an answer for both. So I was going to be like, oh, I'm not sure because I got different answers weighing in. All right, Okay. Right, I'm ready. You ready to go? Okay, clock going. Yep. Three, two, one. Uh, favorite childhood athlete? Derek Jeter. Grew up playing baseball. He's unreal good. Role model on and off the field and a champion. Uh, most explosive player in college football? Uh, I'd say Travis Etienne out of Clemson. Uh, very shifty, runs downhill. Uh, he's been the lead back for one of the most dominant programs. Got to go with him. Uh, Dak or Wentz? Wentz, if healthy. Better pocket awareness, better arm. Doesn't need as much money. Laugh out loud. Uh, and he wants to win more. Uh, Bucks or Clippers? Bucks are the better team by their record, but I'd go with the clip joint. They got two perimeter threats, offensive and defensively. In George and Leonard, Montrez Harrell's a monster in the middle, and they got Patrick Beverly on the uh, on the wing. It was a defensive issue. Uh, who's winning the Pac-12 South? 
USC, baby. Go Trojans. I got Keaton Slovis, my boy from my high school. He's back and back from injury. He's going to have a big year. Uh, KD, love him or hate him? Love him. He's soft for leaving OKC, but uh, 100% healthy in my eyes. Most unguardable player in the league. He's as big as, as Giannis, uh, faster than LeBron with a handle and unbelievable shot. Uh, CMC or Barkley? Um, McCaffrey for pass catching, Barkley for running. Overall, Barkley is a running back, so you got to get somebody that's an absolute monster. I'd say Barkley. Hater or Chapman? Chapman. He can be inconsistent at times, but he's got a nasty slider, throws 105, and he's feared by every hitter, so gives him the edge. Uh, best duo in the NBA bubble? I'd say it's got to be LeBron and AD just by looking at it, but in my opinion, I would say it's probably KD and Kyrie. But, I mean, you can't overlook PG and Kawhi either, so there's some good options only got 20 seconds. Tar Barber in sports. Yankees, Red Sox, baby. There's uh, good options. Uh, best wide receiver in CFB. CeeDee Lamb, that just got drafted. Jamar Chase currently at LSU. Uh, top five coaches in college football. Uh, Saban, Sweeney, Lincoln Riley, Kirby Smart, Ryan Day. All right, we're going to go over. We'll keep going, though. Uh, favorite right. sports experience? Uh, going to the Super Bowl with my dad in 2015, seeing the Patriots Seahawks, and I was sitting in the end zone where the uh, interception had. <laughs> uh, will DeGrom three-peat? No. Uh, he's absolutely dominant, but I think it's got to be Walker Bueller. He's taking over for Kershaw in L.A., and with the run support he's got, it's got to be him. Uh, JT Daniels or, uh, Daniels or Jamie Newman? Jamie Newman. He's the grad transfer. He's only got a year to play. It has to be him with the starting job. Uh, best uniform in all of sports? For the classy look, I gotta go with the Bronx Bombers. They're the most iconic. But the most swagger, throwback Nuggies. That little city with the uh, rainbow. They're too cool. Uh, Rockies or Diamondbacks? Uh, I like both teams for different reasons. Uh, offensively, the Rockies, but I think the Diamondbacks have a better pitching. Overall, I'll take the D-backs. They're my home team. Uh, Arizona Cardinals season prediction. Uh, they're an interesting team. Adding Hopkins in the offseason on top of the outstanding rookie year Kyla Murray had. I can see him having an above 500 season, but they play with the Niners and the Seahawks, who are both just dominant. So I'll go prediction 9-7 uh, and seven for the hometown heroes. All right. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to be 100% honest with you, Adam. I, I enjoyed the insight, but uh, three minutes and six seconds, I think you took a, you took a little too long, man. But Absolutely, yeah. I do have a lot to say. No, I mean... I've gone on for 10 minutes, but... I, I get it, man. Um, I totally get it, I guess... Maybe I'll have to shorten the the questions, let people give a little more analysis. But, I mean, thank you so much for joining me. Um, really appreciated talking sports. Definitely uh, try to have you on again. Uh, maybe maybe you and your dad together, that'd be, that'd be a little fun banter. Um, but, really, thank you uh, for joining me. Uh, any parting words? Um. Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, I just want to thank you for having me on the show, um, allowing me to come on and voice my opinions on my sports knowledge. And uh, I look forward to hearing all the, the podcasts in the future. Um, for anybody listening, Rock Shock, Jayhawk, again, I'll say it again. Um, but uh, outside of that, no, I got nothing. Uh, I hope everyone's staying healthy and safe in these uh, hard times, everything going on with COVID. Um, I hope everyone that's going back to school uh, can start in person. And uh, that's pretty much it. Just want everyone to be as good as they can be. Sounds good, man. Uh, make sure to check out the blog, of course, the redshirt.blog. Um, Instagram, the dot redshirt. The Twitter, the redshirt blog. Um, I've been saying it. I need to get the Twitter going. We'll get there eventually. Um, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Redshirt Podcast.